Hello and welcome to episode 11 of We're Freaking Out. I'm Jeff Horst. And I'm Esther Navarez. And on today's episode, we talk to our dear friend, Tamara Noel Heaton. She is a licensed therapist and she is going towards her doctorate in social work. And she has a lot of really good information regarding mental health. We focus on mental health after quarantine, which has been a thing for everybody. And she's a good friend. Yeah, so it was a great conversation. It's super informative, and I think you'll enjoy it. So here it is. Hi, Tam. Hello. (laughs) It's good to see you in... In person, that we haven't yeah. seen you in a million years in the flesh. Mm-hmm. I know, crazy. Uh, what is your official title? <laughs> You're like already hard question. Well, oh, ah, no. um, my official title. It depends on what in what capacity I'm working. I think it would be easier for me to say that I have an undergraduate degree in psychology. I have a graduate degree in medical anthropology, and I have a graduate degree in um, social work, and I'm a clinical licensed therapist under social work. And so uh, the reason why I chose social work for uh, my therapy license is because I wanted to learn about uh, American systems, like justice systems. There's the justice component and how um, American uh, systems and policies and affect individuals in their mm-hmm. lives. So, you know, that could be anything from, you know, racial stuff to gender stuff to, you know, um, all kinds of stuff that, you know, uh, where there's been state-sponsored policies against other people's mm. uh, that affect them in the a therapeutic setting so if that makes sense but um i've also yeah. used that uh you know human services agencies to run uh grant departments and to write grants to get uh money to put these services out into the community so, mm. I, so, I don't know what my title is <laughs> so when people talk person about, with a lot of student debt <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's a title that a lot yeah. of people can relate to Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> so when people talk about like a systemic change one way or another, you kind of have an understanding of what that really gets into. I know to some people they're you know, the world is, is just now kind of catching up to some things and you kind yeah. of have a little bit of a, of an understanding of the systemic things <laughs> just for the broad term. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like, I, I remember when I was, uh, um, in my 20s, I was uh, a youth mentor in, in Oakland County, and uh, I took this group of kids. Um, they were different races, and but they were all, you know, entrenched in poverty. And um, I took them to, on an outing, and I took them to uh, the uh, institute, the DIA. And we were walking up the steps, and like none of them had ever been there before. And uh, this kid like stops, and he's like, "Oh." oh, I don't go in places like that. I, I don't belong in places like that. And I was like, you know, pump the brakes. That was like the first time I really realized that I really have no, I'm no understanding of what other people's experiences. 
you know, like I thought I did, you know, I'm in my twenties and like, oh, I get it. It's horrible. People are porn. It's not, you know, <laughs> it was like, what? Like, I, I mean, like right there in front of my eyes. And I, I, I said, what do you mean? You know, like this place is for everybody and it's more for you than it is anybody else. And, you know, I'm like, no, no, no. You know, and, and, you know, they were all just looking at me like, mm, you know, and I'm like, no, 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 seriously, this is, this is for everybody. And then I explained the whole thing and, you know, like how it's taxpayer, blah, 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 blah. And it's meant for the community and it's, it's meant for exactly you, you, you know, and just because it looks beautiful, doesn't mean that you are not allowed to be around beautiful things. And they're all just looking at me like, eh, you know, <laughs> we ended up having fun, but that was the first time that it really was like right in front of my face. Like, I don't know, Jack about anybody else's and mm. out of sight of my whiteness. It was crazy. So ever since then I went down this path of, I got a lot to learn. I still have yeah. to learn. So, mm -hmm. learn. so anyway. That's when you started to like explore your curiosity on that topic. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And didn't even really know that, you know, the whole, like the difference between, like I always knew I wanted to do therapy with people and, and help people through trauma, whatever that trauma is, whether it's a health trauma or grief and loss, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I didn't know that there was such a vast difference between going down a track in like psychology or going down a track in social work or going down a track as a counselor. And when I learned more, you know, as I started going to school more and started learning the differences, I was like, oh, social work is where it's at, man. I can do therapy. I can become a, ther a licensed therapist, but I can learn mm. justice in American systems. And I was like, oh. I feel like I'm doing a plug for <laughs> Be a social worker. It'll change your life. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. Well, um, background, Tam and I have been friends for a thousand years. And, a thousand. A thousand. And um, when you first told me that you wanted to go into social work, I think one of the only people that I had talked to that was a social worker was dealing in just the foster care system. Mm -hmm. And yeah. she got completely burned out. And mm -hmm. it was super depressing and she just had to leave the whole profession so i was like you're just gonna work with kids oh my god and you're like that's there's so much more to it than that like oh yeah okay yeah. i mean not that working with kids is bad but i i just knew her story where it was like oh my gosh that's so much it's tough it is tough because well one thing i want to say is um i anything that I say here is not representative of any place that I work. So I work at care house of Oakland County where the local uh, child abuse council of the County. Um, but I don't represent them here right now. And I also uh, am a therapist with DMV and associates in Bloomfield and I don't represent them either. I'm just representing myself. So I just want to, sure, just, yeah. I just want to clarify that. Yeah. And, um, but at, at Care House, you know, we not only see kids who are uh, sexually, emotionally, uh, uh, physically abused, but we also work, we have a wonderful program that's called Court Appointed Special Advocates, and it works specifically with, with kids who are entrenched in the, um, in the uh, juvenile court systems, mainly for uh, um, its child welfare. 
you know, for whatever reason, there's a myriad of different reasons for that. But it's a really cool program where, you know, we train uh, volunteers and they work with these kids and take them through the whole the whole process. They're with them the whole time and, and they are their like representative and advocate. So it can be really scary as a little kid. I mean, damn, I remember, you know, having to go to court just for different things, whether it was like stupid stuff, like getting divorced or whatever. And, and it, it's just, there's an air about being in that courtroom where you're just like, you know, and <laughs> so I can't imagine being a little kid yeah. and having to deal with this. But anyway, so yeah, I can see where that person would have gotten just blown out. I mean, that, it, that is tough, tough work. And when you're dealing with little kids and just, you know, the reasons why they're there are so terrible, but most of the time, you know, it's not just like, Oh, you know, my parents died and now I'm an orphan. It's no. There's <laughs> layers and horrible. don't get me wrong. I mean, that's horrible too, but you know, yeah. It's... Yeah. When, um, 2020 happened that's when it just seemed like before you had gotten into social work and like I said I'm like okay now I understand what you're what you're doing and such and then when 2020 happened and all of the defunding the police and everything mm -hmm. that went along with it I was like you're the police now <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the police Bad, you know. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I felt like there was a, a big misunderstanding on defunding the police and just, uh, and, and I think a lot of it came from people not really understanding social workers and just how, uh, what they're yeah. trained for. So of, of yeah. in, in, in a lot of situations compared to what the police are trained for. And, right. you know, a lot of people, you know, got, uh, emotionally attached to one side of like, oh, I have a police officer in my family. You're saying something bad about them, and and we're just like, no, we're we're just saying they're not trained for the same for for some of the situations that they're yeah. that they're being put into. And there's other people yeah. that are trained for those exact, you know, more trained for those scenarios. Yep, yep. That became very uh, became very obvious. It seems like in 2020 of a discussion that you know, kind of was hiding in other years. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's, uh, it, and, and yeah, it, it's like, I can, I, I like, Hey, we're actually, what we're trying to say to you is we kind of feel bad for these cops. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they didn't get this training. And so it's, yeah. you know, they're walking into these situations and they're not, you know, just the same as like, I, you know, I'm not trained to handle a, crazy, you know, perp <laughs> yeah, running yeah. off with a stereo or so. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. know. I'm like, hey, you, you know, I don't know what to do with that. And so instead of getting, you know, all riled up and upset, mm -hmm. like just listen to what we're saying. We're, 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 we're actually feeling bad that all this stuff gets piled on mm -hmm. and they don't know what to do with it, you mm -hmm. know? Uh, mm -hmm. And, and there's, like I can just the same as anything else, whether I'm talking about my country or whether I'm talking about cops or whether I'm talking about other systems, I can, I can equally say I have respect, but that doesn't mean that I can't hold you to a high standard. And, you yes. know, 
you have authority and you have people's lives in your hands and you better take that seriously. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, even with me, like, I'm not going to be walking around with a gun, but I'm going to be walking around with the, the ability to diagnose people. And if I do, if I give somebody a diagnosis that is way off, not only is that going to end up on their insurance, it's going to follow them around in yeah. their lives. Yeah. I take that very seriously, mm. very seriously. And that's not even a loaded gun. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, um, not to get totally off topic or anything, but, but no, um, no, sure. yeah, I mean, and, the whole defund the you know it's like well, what do you want us to say okay let's rearrange the budget no that doesn't you know <laughs> it's like yeah. no that's not the we're not getting people that sounds crazy when you're like we want to rearrange the budget no we're doing yeah. means we want to rearrange the budget yeah it, and and I, and I feel like you know some people might have an issue with just the wording of it being called defunding the police yeah and i yep. and i think that you know there's a a large group of those people i think would just have an issue with it in any context whatever it was called yeah. and they're just using yep. that as an excuse because they think that mm -hmm. it means let's pay police officers less like that's all they and it's yeah. like and it's like i don't know do we want to prevent the situations which you know, cause there to be more crime to begin with? Like, shouldn't we right. get to the root of the problem if we're, if we're, you know, we're decreasing education budgets and, e and increasing police budgets without any evidence to show that increased police budgets lowers the crime rate? We're just right. doing that. It just, it just sounds good. It, it makes us feel good like we're trying, but it, yeah. it's like a Band-Aid. Yeah. You know, it doesn't seem like a, a, a real way to, a, to fix the issue. Yeah, yeah. Our, our foster kittens came from the police. <laughs> yes. They came they um, came with the police. We went to the Burbank uh was it the Burbank police station, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh. And that's where we oh. got the cop. That's where we got the cats. There and, and I'm just it's like a talk about defunding the police. Talk about defunding the police. I don't think the police sign I don't think the police officers the, the, the you know who wanted to protect and serve in their soul. That's what they want to do and then there's somebody that's put on cat duty. I don't think that's because that goes through. I don't think that's what it's signed up for. Yeah, it's like they do yeah, everything. Walkers. Yeah. So wow. when it's like defunding the police, like part of it is like, can they just not have to take care? Can they not have to buy cat food? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that has yeah. to take time of their day, right? Uh, so weird. But every time they that were bad, so I was like, to me. you're going back to the police if you're... Yeah, that's what we would tell them. You're going back to the police. Yeah, don't, don't hiss at me. <laughs> Officer Johnson will... <laughs> that is so... Insane. Like, I can understand where there might be in situations. Or, so that's the thing, too. They're walking into situations where it's just crazy town. And... Mm -hmm. Well, this kid's parent, who there's only one parent, was just shot, and now they're taken, being taken off, and and now there are kids and and animals left behind, and there's the cop. Like, what do I do with it? But yeah. you think that there'd be like a soft handoff to? Okay, there's an organization that you know, comes in and takes the animals and kids, and yeah. no, we're gonna. That is that's nuts. Mm -hmm. I mean, unless it's some sort of bizarre thing where they have like cadets that are trying to like get in with the community or something. That's, 
outside of that, what? <laughs> or the or the stereotypical, uh, you know, on television, the the cop getting a a cat from a tree. You know, that's a fireman. That's a fireman. Well, I feel like cops will do it too. It depends on what oldie show you're watching. <laughs> so, um, one of the reasons why we thought of talking to you about mental health and everything that you're doing is because when the world opened up again, mm. I know I felt weird, and I think most people do. And everybody that I talk to is on the spectrum from. Uh, from you know dealing with with super bad uh, anxiety mental illness whatever you want to say all the way to just there's people who I I feel like don't want to go outside they're like nope Mm -hmm. I stayed inside I'm good now I realized I never want to go outside again (laughs) or people that are just throwing themselves out there and it I know in my experience when I've been talking to people just in the world it's a weird, just social, like, I'm like, did I forget that people How are to, friendly and, yeah. and like talkative or are people different now? Cause I'll leave Jeff alone and I'll come back and I'm like, what? how did you meet this guy? Like, who is this guy that you're talking to? And, just like, and I'm like, I talked to a stranger. I, I'm like, did he always talk to strangers like this? Yeah. What is going on? Just basic human interaction. Like we, it's weird. I, I just wonder if you have any uh, advice, anything for the anxiety of coming out of quarantine. Yeah. Well, you know, I would say that it's, um, I, 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 w- I would ask people to really stop and um, examine why it is they do or do not want to get out. Like if, and, and with the do, that's like the extreme people that were like, you know, they're like rubbing up on people and, uh, you know, I mean. <laughs> kind of felt like that. Oh, my gosh. We had a woman yeah. getting us to dance at a club. We went out and yeah. Texas, and this woman was pulling our arms. You've got to come out and dance. I'm like, is she inviting us to an orgy? I think she's inviting us to an orgy. We seriously were like, I don't get it. And then she was trying to make my cousin dance so much that my cousin, like, went to the extreme of like, oh, you want me to dance? Well, I'm going to twirl you, bitch. You don't twirl me around. Yeah. I twirl you. Like on a power move. She like started just twirling this girl around the dance floor <laughs> to some Selena. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is happening right now? There was her, this woman, three guys, and they were bullying us into yeah. dance. In the end, they invited us to join a gym. Okay. <laughs> What it seemed is so elaborate. Happening? It seemed so elaborate. It was <laughs> like, 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 you guys own this gym? Is this how you read? Yeah, like it, it almost looked like they were performing <laughs> in real life. They were doing uh they it looked like they were performing trying to get people to want to dance so they can make conversation with them so they could invite them to the gym. Like I think that that was their entire because the one woman was 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 just dancing by herself, and all the dudes were sitting down, and she was standing up, and that was weird at first because they looked not interested in dancing, but she was having the time of her life. But then one by one, each other person in the group started to dance a little bit, 
and she started then they went on the dance floor and then they turned into like professional dancers like it was like some high school musical type of thing where it's just like everybody that's every we, we forgot that we were professional dancers it was weird it was weird <laughs> So how do how do we're, we cope with these people? Yeah, how do we cope yeah. with these people? Yeah, how do well, uh, guess, <laughs> that is really bizarre, but an excellent example of what I'm talking about. <laughs> because mm-hmm. even if that's what they were trying to do, they're still going to the extreme. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a, that's bonkers, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So you, so you have the you have the one set of people that are like you know you know, I'm going to lick walls and yay, look at me. You know, I'm not even going to wash my hands anymore. And and yeah. then, you know, but then you have the, you know, the, the rest of us who are, um, I, I read, I read, uh, um, you know, it wasn't, it was like just a funny article, um, the other day about like, it's not that I'm afraid to be around you. I, I just realized I learned over the past year that I don't want to be around you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> I, don't, I I'm not afraid of you guys. I yeah. just be around people, and um, I'm I'm kind of feeling that myself. Um, so I would just what what I would start with is I would again say, well, let's talk about why you're feeling this. Like, where do you think the root of this is? You know, is it? You know, and I, I, you know, if I was in a therapeutic setting, I wouldn't be giving suggestions. It's up to you to tell me, like, where it's up to you to explore. Like, I, I don't want to put ideas in your head, but, you know, why and why is that? Is it, is it partially too because we're so divided as a country, and the chance of us going out into public, mm. uh, you know, we we could run into um, an aggravating experience because speaking about making things emotional, just wearing a mask or not wearing a mask is emotional. Before it was, if you're not wearing a mask, wow, you're a real jackhole. Now, because all of a sudden everything's magically lifted. If you're wearing a mask, wow, you're a real jackhole, you know? So, mm-hmm. so there's, there's that component of it, I think is, is that um, we're, we're at such odds that you don't know what you're going to run into when you go outside. Mm. And, and so I, I would just say, okay, well, I think it, you know, you need to explore that. Like what, what are, what is your attachment to that feeling and what can you do to get around it? Because, you know, the bottom line is, is I wouldn't force it on true introverts, but we do have to interact with each other. I mean, you, in some way, shape or form, whether it's a job or you have to go to the doctor or whether you have to pick up groceries or whatever, even if you're just going to as a pickup and they're bringing them out to you still have to interact with other people. Yeah. So you got to figure that out. Like, you know, what, what, what is the root of the issue that maybe you might yeah. be having, you know, is it conflict? Is it that you just don't really like other people mm-hmm. or that? So that's where I would start. That, that is a good, that seems like a, a perfect place to start. Cause I, I feel like sometimes when we give things, which we have to, but when we give something a label, it provides an excuse for some people because I've, I've, yeah. I've been at times where I'm like, Oh, I'm an introvert. And then I'm like, sure. But I also, uh, just, you know, should be more confident talking to other human beings and not mm-hmm. be such a scared child and act like I'm <laughs> six years old and I should be able to talk to a waitress and tell her something's wrong without me thinking that she's going to hate me or, 
stab yep. me or something over it. Right. It's like, you know what I mean? And it's like, so, yeah. so but I, you know, but once I hear, you know, I feel like there's a lot of people that are like, Oh no, I'm an introvert. This is, this is fine. This is who I am. And it's like, no, it is fine. However you are. But you know, there, there is a level of, uh, things that we can do. It seems like that maybe we don't know until mm-hmm. we get into what you were saying of like, why am I, why do I feel this way? That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I think outside of, I mean, I think there are very few situations where you're running into an agoraphobic. I mean, that's a different, mm, sure. and in that sort of situation, I would, you know, do a very specific kind of exposure therapy with that person, you know, mm. but even along that same vein, I would say, stay within yourself and, and really think about what it is that, that is bothering you about this. I mean, you know, what is it about the interaction of going outside and being around other people and then, and then start challenging maybe some of the thoughts that, because a lot of times what happens is, is you, you get these loops in your head and, and, you know, I, and, and it was very easy over 15 months to, to loop in your head because we're all even even if you have a partner with you or you've got kids or whatever you're still isolated and it's just that little unit that you're hanging out with all right and mm-hmm. so you it's still very easy to get loops going in your head of oh all those crazy people out there and if I if I want to wear a mask then this and if this but then and then oh they'll, they'll think this if I do this exactly and mm. so one of the ways that you combat that is a you change the narrative that's rolling around in your head so you literally start changing the things that you're saying and 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 break those loops and then you start challenging maybe some of the fears that have come up you know because even i have had those situations you know i have a pretty solid thought about you know people in our country right now. And, you know, uh, so I've had certain ideas in my head and I've gone out and I've had wonderful interactions with people, you know? Um, but I think too, we, we're also reevaluating what it means to interact with people. And so it's almost like we're in this weird holding pattern of, um, well, that person may be a, a supporter of a certain group and a cert, or a certain person. And, and if they are supporting that certain group and that certain person, then how am I supposed to feel about them? Okay, I'll just, I'll be straight up. If somebody is a supporter of... Um, if they are not supporting uh, voting rights right now, I have a particular opinion about you that is also based in facts <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that you are holding back entire factions of people in our society. And you're doing this out of a fear because you know that you're not going to be voted for um, it, unless you put these measures into place. So I have a very specific opinion about that. And so that means that if I'm interacting with you, then I'm interacting with somebody whose ideals and ideas impact people, a population in a way that I find very disheartening. 
So I think it's it's not just been it's not just a matter of oh you know I'm going out and I'm interacting people with people. It's been taken up quite a notch over the even even prior to the pandemic to what type of person am I interacting with and do I want to interact with that person? You know, I mean, it's a little harder to gauge that when you're dealing with strangers. I'm kind of going off on a little bit of a tangent here, so I apologize if you need to reel me in, go ahead. But um, does that does it make do does that make sense? What I'm saying is yeah. that I think it's a little different now. Yeah. It really goes society, into self-awareness too. Yeah. Yeah. Having the self-awareness that society has kind of yeah. changed. Uh, mm-hmm. It changes things. As society mm-hmm. changes, it changes other things, uh, you know, inside of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, oh, go ahead, Esther. I oh, no, I was just going to say, do you have, and I know you do, so I'm. this is a leading question. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, when... Um, you have specific advice on what to do when you're having anxiety or panic. I know that you've helped our friend oh, group yeah. with these, these things. Yeah. Well, and I think we have to be careful about um, some like labeling certain things and I, and um, anxiety is an anxiety is an anxiety and panic isn't panic isn't panic. And so what I mean by that is there are different, levels like I can be you know I might be going into you know say a job interview and and like I'm gonna have some anxiety I'm gonna gonna be pumping and or you guys are gonna go on stage and you're you're a little more pumped up and anxious than you normally are um but then there's anxiety that pushes you into a panic attack and it's hard to come back from that you know you're just your your brain is literally on overload like if you were to take an image of your brain at that point it would just be like you know they're in colors and just look like people going "Ah," (laughs) um and so pictured muppets (laughs) i went with i went with simpsons i felt like in simpsons that was like a that would that would be a sketch or a scene of it i love it (laughs) Well, you could, you could. There's the monkey that has the. uh, The symbol. The symbol is just moving around. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so that informs the answer. Okay. So my answer is, is if you're just at like a little bit of a lower level of anxiety, I'm going to tell you to just take a beat and start breathing, you know, like, like cute, like four. And if you do that four to five times, your body has no choice but to physiologically respond and you're going you're gonna to start calming down your sympathetic nervous system, okay? Um, but if you are somebody that's in a you know, full force panic attack, I would recommend that somebody come and just smack you across it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just give you a good old slap. No, um, but I, you know, that's where you need to to take that brain and redirect. You totally need to redirect. And so you can do things like there's a technique called tapping. And so, somebody just told me about that. And there's an oh app, yeah, there's an app for it. And I was like, I don't. Want yeah, to I'm gonna Google this first. But <laughs> now that you say it, maybe I'll just pay for the app. <laughs> Well, it, you know, and some, you know, some of this stuff sounds a little like, okay, that's whatever, that's goofy. 
but but it but it it works and there's you know some solid evidence-based uh research behind these techniques so you would um start off i you know you kind of hug yourself you know and and just that alone just hugging yourself is it's comforting right and then you just Oh, I think yeah. I did not know this, but yeah. I've heard you and our lovely friend Rio discuss it, and I didn't <laughs> know what it was. Yeah, you tap, and then you can even um, tap and like say different um, like mantras, sort of like you you would tap right here and say, "I know that I feel very uh, overwhelmed right now." And she's and, tapping on her third eye. Yeah, and you, and then you and cheeks tap down by your eye <laughs> you say but i know that i can overcome this and then then you might tap your chin and say i am starting to feel better and then you do it and then until you get to the point where and then maybe you might tap here and say Chest. i feel better now and then you, it's it's reaffirming and it's you're yeah. honestly speaking in my opinion and again this is my opinion you could be going like this, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it, it's the same concept. It's just, you're redirecting. And then also by saying it, you're stopping the loop of negativity that's going on in your brain. Mm. Okay? And then you're reaffirming it by saying it a few times. And so you're locking that in and, you know, just changing, changing the narrative again. And so, um, do you feel like it's a semi fake it until you make it situation? And I mean that seriously. Fake it until you make it. Well, I don't, I guess I don't understand. Of like, uh, you know, like saying, telling yourself that you feel better before you actually feel better because that's going to make you feel better. Right? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing starting off by, by admitting, I don't feel good right now. Uh, okay. So okay. it's not really right now. Yeah. yeah. You're, so you're not, it's, it's a little bit of that, but you're not necessarily faking it because you're admitting like you're tapping and that's, that's taking the attention away, away. from what's happening right here. So you're oh. tapping and you're admitting, I don't feel so good right now. And then you move to another area and you say, this feeling is, is not great, you know? And then you get to here and you're like, but I know that I can overcome it. Okay. And then you do that until you're like, you know, I feel better now. And so it's a little bit of both. It's, it's a little okay. bit, I'm acknowledging this, but I'm also going to change my narrative and the, and the loop that's going on in my head. But, um, I would say that the, the, the best one that, that works that I have seen, um, and I, I, you know, off the top of my head, I don't know what the literature says, but, um, is that you start naming things off in the room, literally like, like for me, you can't see what I'm doing right now, but I look to the left and I say lamp, scissors, uh, scary mask, cat. How do you guys you know, mask? <laughs> yeah. It scares well, you. Yeah, you can really see what I thought it did. Wacky didn't posters. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no wonder you, you have anxiety in that room. Now. <laughs> <laughs> right? no doubt. Murderer. Monster. Murder. Michael Myers. <laughs> Body in the corner right now. Yeah. So, <laughs> but you do that until 
you know, you, it's a lot of these things are, um, they're actually based on in physiology. So like you're, that you're one not, is grounding, correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And it's, well, I mean, it's, it's similar to, uh, when you, um, sort of, a um, a preventative on the other side of things, a preventative thing is like putting your feet on the floor, being grounded with your feet and then doing, uh, you know, meditation, whatever, whatever works for you in that, in that, you know, uh, sort of realm. Those are preventative things that you can do from keeping yourself from, you know, going into to panic attacks. But, you know, when it happens, you know, like even doing this, you're affecting your nervous yeah hugging yourself mm -hmm. hugging yourself you're affecting your nervous system when you do this you know it's not just like i'm hugging my thumb so much better it's not, it's <laughs> you know, not just like, symbolic yeah right. it's not just yeah. symbolic and it's not like i love me i don't <laughs> it's <laughs> you're actually affecting systems in your body you know by doing mm. and then the, you know that's yeah so it's uh, does the tapping affect like what would be considered meridians, like your energy? It depends on what you believe. Do, do you want to uh, just a, just in case there's any listeners out there that don't know what a, what the word meridians is? Uh, what is what is what it, what would you tell them that a meridian the is? Energies running through. Well, there's some people would call it chi or the because um, yeah, I know, but there might be a person <laughs> out there. Right. The energy. So yeah, I guess it just believe it Sorry. depends on what you believe mm -hmm. that way. Because okay. some people don't believe that um there's believe in like chakras or energy mm -hmm. right. uh, fields of your body. But then like Chinese right. medicine old uh chi is from Chinese medicine, right? I believe I, I believe so. Yeah. But anyway. That think, there yeah. are areas on the body that are supposed to have, well, like with yoga philosophy, there's areas of the body that are supposed to have like chakras or locks or loops where the energy comes together in a certain place. So I didn't know if the tapping, like the third eye is mm. like when mm -hmm. the first uh, tapping was in the point between the eyes that's supposed to have uh, energy in um, spiritual right. symbolism. But I just right. didn't know these were tied to that or if it's just tapping which also i mean and there's energy just because we have nerve endings all over our body. yeah you know it, it really it depends on what you believe that i mean that particular technique is not based in that okay but, but you could utilize it that way like, mm -hmm. like if you have knowledge of the meridians and and you know, like, you know, maybe I'm having a difficult time with my speaking right now, and that's what's giving me trouble, like why I'm having an anxiety reaction. You might be able to tap that, that area. Throat chakra. Right um, but, you know, I've always found this really interesting. Um, so there is a ritual in um, the Hispanic culture um, called Sisto. And I don't know if either of you are familiar with that or uh, not, uh, but and I'm not just looking at you, Esther, because... <laughs> no, I've told Jeff about it, but I don't know if he remembers. <laughs> like, Esther, you know all about that, right? You know about this? 
We get scared um, all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I always find this. So there is, uh, I can't remember the name of the study. There's two things I'm going to, I'm going to reference here to sort of uh, enhance the answer that, you know, to what you're kind of asking me. Uh, I, I practice very holistically. You know, I am going to consider the person. I'm very person-centered. And, you know, if, if you have certain beliefs, then let's pull in those beliefs. You know, a lot of people are uh, affected by prayer. It makes them feel better. It's the same. It's a similar act as meditation. And there is a, a study, again, I can't remember who did it. I think it's like in the early 2000s where they compared, they being, they were uh, Western uh, researchers, and they compared the systole ritual in uh, more Hispanic cultures compared to um, uh, drug therapy in, in our culture, the American culture. And the outcomes were almost exactly the same. Mm. So when you, and, and they were comparing to, to people who were depressed, and in the Sisto ritual, you know, they, they do various things. You know, you might run an egg down, you know, the body to clear out negative energy. You know, there's a, I, I believe, a, some sort of like, a, almost like a little parade with the person in the community. There's, there are a few different things that they do. They do something with a feather, and I think, and, um, and, Okay, so you, you, you get the picture of kind of what the system rit ritual is about. And it's supposed to, uh, really, it's like, say, if someone's spouse died and they're walking around and they're still grieving after a certain amount of time that it seems like they shouldn't be grieving, then whoever the person is in that community that would perform a system ritual, that's, that's what they would do. And then they compared um, depression rates and uh, people taking medication in a, a cohort in, well, I don't know if it was a cohort study or not, but in a group of people in, in America. And uh, the, the outcomes were very similar. So like people who received the cysto ritual and no medication ended up recovering this almost exactly the same as <clears throat> people who had depression and were taking medication in the United States. So the only difference was um, like uh, outcomes across, like further into the lifespan uh, people had a higher mortality rate in the Hispanic culture, but that could be for 10 million different reasons. But uh, that was the only difference. That was the only difference. Like, but in terms of helping with depression, the rates were almost exactly the same between taking medication and doing the system ritual. So, um, you know, you're going to have some people that are going to respond better to medication and you're going to have some people that are going to respond better to um, a, a ritual or an activity or, um, but a lot of it, you know, comes down to, you know. Yeah. It shows that you can change your brain chemistry really mm -hmm. with in, mm -hmm. in different ways and that we have the yeah. power to change our brain chemistry. It's just really extremely yeah. difficult to do it behaviorally. And some people just can't. Not sure. Those are pretty extreme cases, though. Cognitive behavioral therapy is pretty amazing. Like, in, and a lot of it is just stopping those negative uh, thought loops. It's it the, um, the outcomes of, of CBT are pretty impressive. It yeah. doesn't seem like it would be, but you have to be willing to do it, though. You know, and I think that's more of what 
Mm. You're depressed. You don't feel like doing anything. But anyway, what, what were you going to say? I was going to say my great-grandmother um, was doing, they were doing a susto ritual with her because, well, what I was learned about with susto was that it, it's, it literally means like a scare. So it would yeah. be if somebody had like the adrenaline rush of a scare is what yeah. they're really taking away. So yeah. um, she had something happen or she, and so the ritual was they put her under a sheet. She was uh, on, um, on the ground, laying on the ground, a sheet over her. And then somebody would pray and sweep over the sheet. And yeah. then they said they looked down and they saw like a little light under the sheet. They were like, are you smoking under there? And she was smoking a <laughs> cigarette under the sheet while she was getting her ritual. <laughs> and that was always the story of her Susto ritual. <laughs> You're not thinking of like, did they like get an entity out of her? Yeah, that's what I was. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not Teresa. Stop fumando. Are you smoking in there? Stop fumando. That's the best. Yeah, the, she smoked a lot. She that, lived to be like 106 or something crazy. That is bonkers. I love it. Yeah, it's they think that the depression is caused by like, you know, um, a spirit has entered into your body and then this is the ritual is meant to scare it out. That the Hmong people, they're the Hmong people, um, you know, they're sort of like the the old Jewish people of like the asian world oh, yeah. is that Jeff's they, they, roommate was Hmong, is still Hmong. he's still Hmong, oh. but not, was, no longer his roommate no longer uh, my roommate uh, yeah <laughs> that's amazing how did you change that yeah he kind of gave me a similar backstory of like the of their confusing history of like yeah we're kind of like tibetan mountain people that's what yes, he would say exactly <laughs> exact that is exactly they they actually helped the um, soldiers in Vietnam. It's a very mm. situation to what's happening in Afghanistan right now, where like they 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 knew that terrain like nobody's business, and the Americans in Vietnam used them for mm. and you know all that kind of stuff. And they say, hey, you know, for this great work, will you can have land in the United States? Well, the next thing you know this huge population of Hmong people just descended upon, you know, like the Los Angeles area and they don't speak English and so on and so forth. But there's a whole, there's a really good book called, um, uh, I can't think of it right now. I, if I, if it pops into my head, I'll mention it or, you know, we you can, I can send it to you later, but uh, it's like right on the tip of my tongue. I read that, but it's about this um, Hmong, this young Hmong girl who had epilepsy. And her parents thought that she had a spirit enter her and that that's what was happening. And they had a similar thing where they just tried to scare it out of her and it wasn't working. Mm. And so they were going into the hospitals and there were people working with the, this huge Hmong population and, you know, trying to try different things where they would like, you know, give them medication and put symbols on the medication as to when they were supposed to take it. And so that's what was happening with this young girl. But, um, Oh, the spirit catches you and you fall down. I think oh, that wow. that's what it's called. It's a great, it's really interesting. It's a <clears throat> really, excuse me, sorry. Interesting case study really in medical anthropology, what you do, like, you know, when you don't speak the same languages and stuff. 
again, different, you know, they were trying, that's a, that's a good example of trying to incorporate beliefs. You know, they were trying really hard to incorporate the same beliefs because I, you know, they had people in the hospital and they're bringing like, you know, chickens and roosters in there because it's part of their like evening ritual or something to do something with the roosters and, you know, the hospitals like, you can't do that. You know, you can't do that kind of stuff. We want to work with you, but that we can't do for you, you know, but, um, but they tried to incorporate their uh, culture as much as possible. Mm -hmm. I feel like the anxiety of everybody has just gone, like the default anxiety has just gone mm, up as yeah. a country, as a world. And you can, <laughs> just, and, and I feel like there's times where you can feel it, where like, you know, yeah. like you, you, you've said before, like the energy of a group of people and things like that, or just this mm-hmm. room in general of like, this just feels more tense. And that's always been interesting to me to, like on yeah. paper, I, I, I can't describe that and I could understand why nobody would believe it, but there's moments where it's like in Los Angeles, for example, you know, like when, when Kobe Bryant died, it felt different. It felt different going to get gas at the gas station. I, you know what I mean? Like just normal interaction outside where I wasn't, I normally wouldn't talk to strangers anyways, but it, it still felt like there was a different uh, energy coming from the environment that we were in. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. I mean, even people that affected me and, you know, mm. I, I I haven't followed basketball in years, you know, mm. um, it, you know, I, it, but I can see what, like, especially, especially in LA. Oh my, mm. wow. That had to have been, what an impact, you know? Mm. And uh, on the other side of, uh, group energy. I went to a concert for the first time post COVID and, uh, it was, everyone was vaccinated. So I didn't have like the anxiety of, Oh no, somebody's not vaccinated or anything like that. But the energy of the live music and the crowd and everyone enjoying it, like I didn't realize that I missed that even. I was like, oh, well, eh, I don't go to concerts that much anymore. Who cares? And that experience and then that night, I could not go to sleep. I was up till five in the morning. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I I didn't Ah. know. Like it was um, one of the performances was the Foo Fighters. And Dave Grohl just like ran out. And it was a stadium brand new stadium. Uh, that was awesome. But he ran out on stage and just the first thing he did was just scream into the microphone. Just, ah! And then I just like instinctually just screamed. You screamed back? back. And most back. people did. He just screamed. <laughs> or he was just like, ah! Why am I screaming? Yeah. Ah! It felt like this weird like ritualistic enjoyment <laughs> So anyway, I um, didn't realize that I missed watching live music and what that feeling of everybody coming together, enjoying something like that was. It's, it, it's intense that... Um, and it was in a good way. It was like... Yeah. That I yeah. I was like, oh, I don't care if I'm in a crowd and doing whatever. I mean, there was energies in the protest for sure. We were in huge crowds, but that Ooh. was so much emotional... Yeah. energy and anxiety of like am oh, I too yeah. close to people oh there's some people without a mask potentially yeah. you know like the 
like the police are here there's tanks here that was a whole yeah. other layer of oh my god the national guard but then yeah and that had its feelings but the uh, there's something that live music gives you an energy of people that I always knew existed, but I just hadn't had it for so long that yeah. I didn't realize how much it, it affects in, and in a good way. Yeah. I have goosebumps just, you know, I, I understand what you're saying. Like I've been in those situations. <laughs> this is where you're going to laugh. This is Tracy Chapman. <laughs> Fast car. No. Uh, my stepbrother and I actually, like when she, you know, that just prior to her like exploding, you know, we went to see her and everybody that was there was like, we were all holding hands. Oh I mean, my God. like I, like thousands of people. And it was literally, I'm like, you know, I have that sort of like split thing in my head where I'm, I feel like I'm Larry David most of the time where I'm just, <laughs> oh Jesus, God. you know, like, but then mm -hmm. I, this other half where I'm just like, this is amazing. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> this is so awesome. And you just get, you get this, it just fills you with this, like, oh my God, I love it. I love people. I love this so much. And this energy that's like, being alive is so amazing. <laughs> you know? And then you run into other people. Yeah. Then you're back to Larry David. Back yeah. To <laughs> right. <laughs> But it was very much during quarantine. I'm like, oh, I don't miss going out in crowds that much. I can live with this. I like yeah. staying home. And then that, uh, but I feel like that was just part of most people's, uh, not every day, but at least once in a while, your life was crowds. And then getting that taken away, I didn't know I even that it even was a thing. I didn't know it gave anything to your life energy wise like that really. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So I was going to, we talked about preventative anxiety of, uh, well, preventative things you can do to prevent future anxiety, meditation. Mm -hmm. I know we meditate and do yoga or starting to exercise again, eating right. Yeah. All those things mm -hmm. they tell you to do. I don't know if you have any other things to add or if those sound, it's like um, that there's a subreddit that's called like, thanks, I'm cured, where they just show, they have like memes and things <laughs> of people going like, you know, just drink water. I, I, I'm curious, I know, but, <laughs> but it's, yeah, really are. I have to read about the same, doing the same thing motivationally over and over and over just to re up on motivation and not yeah. even until it sticks. I can read yeah. the same thing over and over just to go, oh yeah, this is going to help me f um, remember to do it for another week and feel like I actually can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, that's why I, considering the level of it is a big deal because it really drives me crazy when I, I know that people have good intentions when they say things like this, but it really makes me angry when it's like, you can, you can be happy. You just have to choose to be happy. Well, there's oh, yeah. people out there who have disorders where they don't get to choose whether or not they, you know, they can work on it and there are things that they can do to combat it, but they have to work really, really hard. And a lot of times, you know, 
Like you can't tell somebody with bipolar disorder, you just need to choose to be happy. It's like, are you out of your mind? That, you know, that is a really tough disorder and you can't just choose your way out of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it depends on the level, you know, for some people, uh, you know, breathing and, and doing meditative acts and uh, yoga and eating right and, and all that stuff, it, it works really well. Um, but, you know, you, you kind of got to, okay, but then there's the next level and mm-hmm. that'll work. But then you need, you know, uh, a little extra where, um, you know, you you might have to learn techniques to get yourself out of that state, whether it's the stuff that we talked about earlier of naming things off in the room or, you know, I, I don't, you know, there are a myriad of, of the things that you could do that's very similar that will distract you from, you know, the, the loop that's going on in your head. It also depends on what that anxiety is attached to. Um, and that, and again, we touched on um, exposure. You know, uh, it's very, uh, it's a very good technique um, in terms of, it's got a lot of, the efficacy is really good. You know, for me, I am terrified of tarantulas and the thought of a tarantula being on my hand wow. is, are you kidding me with that? No way. Well, for and, and even just like, you know, going up to a, a you know, tarantula home, I don't, <laughs> like where they live, I don't know. And, <laughs> Someone yeah. has it as a pet. All right. I'm going up to Bob's little thing here. And I mean, yeah. you know, just looking up to that, my heart is starting to race, you know? Um, and then somebody says, go ahead and get your hand in there and pick it up. And I'm and next thing, you know, I'm passed out on the floor. Um, well, to get over that, I would just have to constantly be in front of that, be in front of it, be in front of it. Then you move to the next level and then you, and to the point where it's on your hand and you might flip out. But the more that you expose yourself to that uh, thing that it gives you anxiety, the more that you're going to be able to, oh, well, see, like, it's just a tarantula. It's not doing anything that's hurting me. Feels, a, I mean, would, that would probably be like four times down the line. <laughs> like, like, okay, get it off me, get it off me. You know, I mean, let, let's not act like this is just like one and done. Just, you know? Sure. Yeah, it would take a few times, but you're eventually going to get to the point like where there's a there's a really good YouTube video of uh, where it takes this young woman through the process. She cannot, she could not, sorry, she could not, she can now, she couldn't ride in elevators Mm. um, for a million different reasons. And so they literally show you like the first step is just walking up to the elevator. The next step is, you know. And, you know, this could be 10 sessions in and she's finally stepping into the elevator and then you sit there for, you know, then you get out until the, you get to the point where you're like, see, you know, you're, you're every time you are exposed to this, you are leaving the situation and you are perfectly healthy and you're fine until you get to the point where you just ride on that elevator and, and you, and you do it. It's, it's very similar to. Um, you know, performing, I think, you know, mm-hmm. the performers out there who, 
you know, they'll, they'll say, oh, I've got stage fright. And, you know, and you're like, really, what are you doing to, because you don't seem like you have stage fright. The more that you get out there, the more that yeah. on that stage and the more you do, it's a similar type of thing. Mm. Yeah. Do it the less, you know, you might still get a little bit nervous, but once you get into it, it's like, like nothing, you know. It's um, no longer like debilitating. It's not, it's, it's, it's lessened. Yeah. You do it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So it's like a, ex the exposure to it. Um, um, but for mm -hmm. therapy, I know there's like negative stigmas to, or just different stigmas in general that, you know, mm -hmm. people can have about therapy. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the idea that like therapy can benefit everyone. Like, where do you fall on, on that, I guess. Yeah. Like when someone should, or consider it, consider or... it and how to choose someone if they uh, mm -hmm. are financially unable, or even if they are mm -hmm. able, because I know yeah. there's some times when, like when I first wanted to go to therapy, like the first thing was like, Oh, this is free. Oh, actually it's $250. Oh, it's supposed to be free. Well, you didn't fill out the paperwork. Right? And I was like, all right, uh, now I need therapy for the mm, therapy. For the therapy. <laughs> and, and then the first, I, I've had so many therapists that I didn't enjoy talking to. Mm, and yeah. I, I, I yeah. feel like I've you got to run through them. And, yeah. But I've also had somebody tell me, uh, and this is somebody else's words, obviously that mm -hmm. in, in their opinion, therapy, he was saying that he views it as like you you could try to get your car fixed but you you try to maintain your car while you're driving it you don't wait till it breaks down to uh to fix the car you know and mm -hmm. some people do that's what life is but you know ideally yeah. if you can control it to try to you know your body being the same way and your your mind being the same way to if yeah. everything's going great that sure therapy could still help you continue to be thinking great but i think a yeah. lot of us are like i'm doing fine today i'm gonna fix this problem once i once i crash into something right right that's a really good point um well first i'll say that um our field does a great disservice in terms of uh poor marketing mm. uh, like people have no idea what the and I, and I understand why they, you have no idea that there are different types of, of therapy. You've got psychoanalysis, which is like your Freudian type of therapy that where you're, it's years and years and years and, you know, lay on the couch. Let's go back to as far back as you can go. And, you know, mm. maybe this was about, you know, potty training and that's why you're still having that issue when you're 35 years old, you know? Um, and then there's cognitive behavioral therapy, which is what I'm trained in. And that's more of um, stopping those negative thought loops. And you're really, you're not interested in, and, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I say that um, we are interested in what has happened to you, you know, but the point of CBT is that, um, I'll listen to that and I'm sure it affected you but you have this problem in front of you right now and we're going to work on that right now. And these are the different things that we're going to do to alleviate that problem. And we're going to try to, you know, you don't need to keep coming back for, you know, five years to, to take care of this, you know, um, 
we're going to uh, get this problem solved as soon as possible so you can go out and live your life. Um, and, and if we have to move on to maybe something else, then we have to move on to something else. But, um, and then there's like a combination of the two. There's just straight up behavioral therapy. And behavioral therapy is uh, a reward system, you know, the Pavlov, Pavlov's dog type of thing where, you know, you ring the bell, you get a treat type of thing. So, so there are different, I, I'm not going to go into every single one, but there are different, those are the biggies, you know, mm-hmm. there are different types of therapy and people don't know that. So a lot of times you'll go to a therapist and they'll just sit there and they won't say anything. <laughs> You're just like, could, could you chime in and at least mm-hmm. that you heard what I was saying or <laughs> Do you have anything to offer? Do you have any like tips for me? You know, I hear that all the time. Mm. And, and they're in that position because they don't know that there are different types of therapists. And the first thing that I do when I sit down with someone is I ask them, what, what do you want to get out of the, out of our sessions? Mm. And I'm going to explain to you, this is what I've been trained in. And it doesn't mean that I won't, you know, pull from the other areas. Um, but setting so, expectations. Yeah, you set okay. it's as simple as that. You know, you just set your set expectations and then, you know, people don't have to feel like they're guessing, like, why are you just staring at me? Well, part you know, and I will tell people like I will just stare at you sometimes because it's not my job to put words or ideas into your narrative. You know what your narrative is. So let's let's try to pull that out and and I'm very, again, very person-centered. So like, I want you involved in this process as much as possible. And I might say a few things to maybe, you know, get the ball rolling. But um, so I feel the biggest thing about, that's number one. I think that we would, um, we'd probably end up having a lot more people going to, to therapists and seeking out therapy if they knew some of the basics about this. And if, even if they, like psychoeducation is a big thing too, where I'm, I'm teaching you like what I know, I'm going to, I'm going to download that onto you and you're going to learn these coping skills. So when you go out into the world, you're going to say, ah, I know exactly what that is. And I'm going to, I'm going to do this to, to, you know, combat this problem. So uh, that's one thing, but people have to be willing you know, like mm-hmm. you can get through to people, but they have to be willing to want to get better and they have to be willing to, to come in. But I do think that therapy could benefit just about everybody. And you made a very good point that, you know, don't wait till the house is burning down, mm-hmm. you know, some water buckets in the back. So you're ready, you know, when, when you're like, oh, shit, there's a spark, ah, you know, I've got my water bucket. I call them tools in your toolbox. You put, uh in your toolbox then you know you're prepared for that sort of thing because I told like I won't say who but there's a person in my life who's experienced a lot of death at I mean just really horrible close to spawn wife that sort of thing and I've said you think you're okay now and you think that it's going to be the holidays or it's going to be the person's birthday it ain't going to be that it's going to be, uh, that's the stop sign that we stopped at. And we talked about how much we like soft serve ice cream instead of, you know, whatever, you know, it's going to be mm-hmm. something 
simple like that. And the next thing you know, you're going to be in a fetal position in your car, bawling your eyes out, and you're not going to know how to get home. So, you know, it's, it's just people need, I think we need to get some more education out there about what therapy is and how it can be beneficial. So um, I'm kind of figuring out right now how to advocate for that, how to advocate for our field. Because I do think that therapy could be very beneficial for a lot of people in a lot of different arenas. Yeah. Do you have any tips on how people without insurance can get therapy? Sure. There are a lot of people who will, um, if they don't advertise it, they should ask if, if um, the therapist has a sliding scale. So the sliding scale is basically like you will talk about what you can afford and, you know, uh, that's what we'll charge you. Um, there are some uh, places that like, um, for instance, Care House, you know, if you're a child that has, um, you know, a, a CPS case where you have been sexually or physically or, you know, whatever, uh, unfortunately, there's more than one type of abuse out there. But if you've been abused um, and you have a case that's going on, um, you can get set up with a therapist and you will have that therapy for life, for life. Like if you're an adult, you can keep going back if you feel like you, you, you need to. Hopefully, I, th I, don't th that, I don't see too many adults coming in for therapy, which is, means our therapists are doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is good. Oh, that's good. There's not to say that people who have those kind of, you know, P PTSD situations that maybe there might be something that will set them back. Um, and that, you know, I'm not trying to say that, well, you're cured, what are you here for? You know, I don't mean yeah. it like that, but yeah. but yeah, you should, you should be, uh, in, especially in situations like that, you should have as many tools in your toolbox as possible to be able to have a successful and happy life filled with well-being. That's the goal. And because that's why I was wondering, because I know therapy is good for, for everyone and that i don't know the people that i know i know some people that just go and it's more of like a maintenance situation mm -hmm. where i feel like they it helps them in ways that i don't know if something else could that's why i don't know like mm -hmm. the um if if we had mental health care in this actual country Luna. would kitty sorry <laughs> oh no if we had like actual mental health care in this country right would everybody be be seeing a therapist and be better off for it or is it something that you think is a you go there when uh you go there you learn you graduate that's a that's a really that's an excellent question and you both have asked it um but in different ways um i do think that everybody can learn from it i mean you know because you never know what is going to happen in your life you know there are people who go on for years and years and years and they've never had any kind of tragedy and then all of a sudden they have this tragedy they have no idea how to deal with it so there was something that I was going to, um, there was a point that I was going to make about, ask your question again, one more time, maybe, maybe a little. So do you feel like, um, every, 
everyone could, you know, in a perfect world, if everyone had access to therapy, would yeah. they go as a maintenance or do you think it's like, oh, you go to therapy, you graduate, you, you're, you're done? Yeah, hmm. right. I think it's both. I think it's both. I mean, CBT is, you know, let's get you in here and, and um, oh, I know what I was going to say. Um, let's get you in here. We're going to work on your issues. And, you know, as soon as we can get you to the point where, you know, you've, you've got um, the skills to, to cope with whatever comes at you, then we can close this out and we're good. Um, and you're, the thing is, is that you're allowed to come back whenever you want, you know? Mm, so, so it sounds like um, CBT focuses on specific issues and then yeah. you learn how to deal with those issues. Mm. Yep. So then it's like an awareness. So you have to go, if, if you have like, oh, I have general anxiety, you might be like, well, let's figure out what that anxiety stems from and then work on that. Yes. Yep. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Because to me, when I hear people talk about like, oh, my therapist said this, I went to my therapist, oh, I feel so much better. What would I do without them? Whatever. It sounds more like a general um a general like a life coach as a yeah almost like a, <laughs> it doesn't sound but i mean i they're not telling me their details maybe they are working on things and they but they right. but they're getting to those things like they might have yeah. just had anxiety and they didn't even know why right so working on right. figuring out what is actually bothering them because yeah. the other thing i was going to ask is when you do, so you have answered part of this, when you do select a therapist, you want to know what kind of therapy they are practicing and yeah. if that's what you want and what you want to work on. Right. And I know, I don't know if that you've had this experience or if they taught you any of this, of, of um, I've always felt like you have to go through people to see who matches with your personality or who yeah like um who you resonate with because it just seems like there's so there's everybody doesn't just fit for everybody right right it's pretty similar to uh, a a physical doctor you know a, a physician where you know i've gone through several uh, primary care doctors, and I've had some that I've absolutely loved and some where I'm just like, oh, I really don't like this person. Um, the thing about it is, is when you're going for uh, mental health therapy, um, it's a little more painful. I mean, you can have a broken arm and it hurts and it's really bad, but for some reason that mental health therapy can be more painful than going in for a broken arm and dealing with your, you know, primary care physician, you know? So I think that, um, you know, one thing that I was, I was going to say before is that um, there was a huge study called the Adverse Childhood Experiences, called the ACEs. And it was done through Kaiser Permanente and the Centers for Disease Control. That's my health care system now. Kaiser Permanente. California, that's right, that's right. So far, so um, I said, so far, so, so far, so I don't know. I sort of feel like cattle. Ooh, talk about a shots fired. Talk about a patient advocating for yourself. 
Nobody's calling oh, me up going, oh, that's you not good. follow up on the such and such thing. But they're like, oh, you need to get in? Well, go on this app and book an appointment. It's it's a lot like ordering a pizza at Domino's on the app. I don't know. It's very Oh, good. boy. But then because of that, like because healthcare oh, has evolved into such I like the Domino's. techiness. That's exactly. Right. There's something to be said for it, too. Like <laughs> I can message my doctor. I can message a doctor, really a nurse writes back at any time 24 7 ah. on the app so i can get drunk get hypochondria and then like at two in the morning be like what's this doctor my tick bite is a bump now which that's a true story there's a bump on my arm now where i had a tick bite oh no so <laughs> it was a tick bite yeah, yeah, I got I got a little tick. I had like we a little Googled tick how to incident. remove ticks after we already did it, and we were like, "Oh, so we did that wrong." I, Apparently, I, we're supposed to just have tweezers just every two inches. I had a tick. I was supposed uh, to do it a certain issue, way. And now I have a bump on my arm, and I'm a hypochondriac. So the fact that I can just message the doctor all day long, twenty four seven, is both good and bad. But anyway, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Aces. Oh, my. Yeah. Whew. Wow. Well, and, you know, with mental health, we would not encourage that behavior because (laughs) you're supposed to go out and test your coping skills. I'm holding back. (laughs) I've only messaged them sober. It's good. It's good. I haven't done any weird drunk. 2 a.m. doctor messaging. <laughs> You're just like, yeah. isn't it you weird we all die? Too. You just like, yeah. like weird questions. <laughs> Do you think I'm dying? Because I think I'm dying. Because aren't we all dying? Poor Te- nurse. Technically. <laughs> and look at my tick bite. Oh my God. But anyway. It's been a year. By the way. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I'm sorry. I interrupted. No, no. It's, it's okay. Um, yeah, they did a, a, a huge study with um, the CDC. And mm. the uh, adverse childhood experiences, which is often called the ACEs, um, revealed that uh, met, there are a lot of people out there who have experienced a lot of trauma Mm. and and it's across socio-demographics. So basically now there's like a, 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 like a little survey that you can, you know, that a mental health therapist normally would maybe go through. So the survey, you know, goes through and, and asks you questions like, I mean, it's pretty intense. It's like, you know, have you ever, seen a, a loved one shot and die in front of you, you know, things like that. And, and, um, and then it'll, you know, like you score high on the ACEs survey, then you're going to need some pretty intense, probably trauma therapy or, um, you know, PTSD therapy and, and that sort of thing. And so it's, it's interesting because we now have a lot of tools on our end where we can start um, screening people. And so mm. one of the things that Starfish Family Services was doing is they were going into, um, they were in like OBGYN offices and they were just 
straight out of the gate, you know, because a lot of times, you know, very similar to cops, physicians are not trained in this kind of stuff. Like a stomachache is not a stomachache is not a stomachache. Mm-hmm. You know, case study, I'm sort of jaunting off here for a second, but there's a, there was a case study from Starfish Family Services where, um, you know, one of our uh, behavioral health therapists was embedded in, in their um, practice. And, you know, the, the physicians only have so much time. And so they're spending time and they're just like, you know, they had this kid coming in. It was like the third time the kid came in with a stomach ache. The doctor can't figure out what's going on. Okay, I think it's time for the behavioral health therapist to, to maybe have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Something else is going on. Well, it turns out that mom and dad lost their house. The family was squatting in a house in somewhere uh, on the west side of Detroit. And there was no bathroom. The kid couldn't go to the bathroom. They only had like a can to go to the bathroom in. And so she had impacted bowels. Wow. And, and so like, you know, it, it ended up being sort of, you know, two things. She ended up with a physical issue because of her, you know, home setting at the time. You know, and you feel bad because his parents are doing the best that they can. They're in between, in between houses and they chose to squat somewhere so they could go someplace else. So you have those kind of situations and then you have the situation where you have the behavioral health therapists that are embedded in the OBGYN offices right out of the gate. The doctor is starting to do these ACEs surveys to find out, you know, well, all these moms and to be moms, women, like we're, they're asking, are you planning on getting pregnant? And yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's take this survey. So they come out with all this trauma and this is all over the place. These are, these are offices all over like, you know, Wayne County. And um, so we're getting them that way where it's like, okay, you have scored really high on the, the, these ACEs surveys and um, let's, let's go through some therapy and, and maybe give you some techniques so that you don't pass this on to your kid. Mm. Trauma and stress and et cetera, et cetera, under, under your kids. It's not just genetic. You know, if you've gone through some trauma, you know, you might pass that on in your own behavior onto your kids. So in this way, we can, we can get to you. But the, so the problem is, is now how do we, how do we do it the other way around where we can get information out more and have people feel more comfortable about coming in and getting therapy um, you know, we need to start doing better with marketing and PSAs and just getting people to better understand what therapy is and how it might be able to benefit you. Cause I do think that it would, it, it is, you know, it would be great to do preventative stuff and, and, um, you know, give people some tools before the tragedy hits. And so when the tragedy, and that's not to say that people aren't going to need a little bit of help. Of course they are. Sure. I mean, I, I'm sorry, my, my dad died and I'm in the middle of a grief and loss class that I chose to take, you know, prior to him dying, you know, I know all the tools and I'm, and I'm embedded even more so like this had taken like grief and loss and I'm interested in that. And this was like an additional, so I'm in the middle of a grief and loss class right after my dad died. I am, you know, like a therapist in, you know, I'm in this role, you know, I have the information I'm being trained. And even I was just like, ah, ah, you know, so anyway. Yeah, I was going, well, first I was going to say that, um, 
I didn't think about that with doctors, that if you're a physical uh, primary care physician, you're not trained in mental health care mm. the same way that other doctors are. I think on sure. the outside, a lot of times we're like, especially, oh my gosh, at the age that I am, my parents were just like, go to the doctor. They only believe like things that come out of a doctor's mouth and that that's, you know, oh, well, you just asked the doctor. It didn't matter what kind of doctor it was, so I, I just didn't think about the fact that, yeah, if you're if you have a physical ailment, they just don't. Um, a lot of doctors don't integrate medicine like they integrated medicine departments of some hospitals where right. you're bringing everything together. And oh, I I wish that I had that at the like I was saying where I am now, my doctor's office. Uh, the old doctor I used to go to was through Beaumont in Michigan and they had mm -hmm. an integrative healthcare department, which was bring yeah. brought together so many departments of physical and mental and spiritual yeah. really health. And yeah. I tried to find a place here in California. You would think they'd be on every corner and so far yeah. not so good. I don't know. I yeah. don't see it in the same way. But yeah. the other thing I was going to say was, um, we're of course very sorry about your father. That was all. Awesome. Oh, yeah. I was gonna say, like, do you have anything to offer to people who, I mean, after this year of global pandemic, everybody, I don't know how uh, everybody has to have suffered like a loss yeah. in some uh, degree, where, yeah. oh, yeah. however many degrees away it was. I can't imagine that somebody didn't. So do you have any advice for gr dealing in grief? And unfortunately, it's firsthand experience and yeah. also your education. Yeah. Um, well, one of the best things that I've ever learned, <laughs> maybe not one of the best I've ever learned, uh, but it's pretty awesome, is that the there is uh, an extreme pain that you get in your chest when you lose somebody like that um and it it, it is just physically like my, it's physically painful like and and it, like it that happened with ashley my niece who also passed away um uh, over a year ago um but it happened even worse with my dad and it doesn't, and it's not a level of who I loved more or which was worse or what, you know, but it was really bad with my dad and it hung on for like a couple of weeks. And the cool thing is, is that there's a word for that. And it's a hilarious word. It's called schmurs. <laughs> I was like, did you guys name it that on purpose? Just so laugh like this painter so bad. I got the schmurs. Dr. Schmurs figured it out. <laughs> and we're like, okay, but can we, what's can his we first name? Something else? Yeah, what's his first name? I know. It's, it's like German. It's actually a German word for like, like pain, extreme pain mm. or something like that. It's, mm. But yeah, so like when you, so even just strangely enough, and this, and this is an example of psychoeducation is like just knowing that that was that other people recognize this and that it has a name 
for some reason really resonated with me. It made me feel better because it was like, oh, I'm not, I mean, you know, you're not alone, but when it, when, when it just, the concept of this extreme pain that I was feeling over the loss of my dad that had a name or it has a name it's hers was really fascinating to me. I was like, I don't know why that made me feel better. But it did. It was like, this has a name and it's, I'm going to yell it out. Freaking Schmerz. You know, it was like, ah, you Schmerz. My Schmerz is acting up today. You know? um, Cause you're going through something that is, uh, that is known. So it's like, yeah. if it's known to some degree, it's, it, it you know, it, it might be easier in time if if it's something yes. that has been studied enough to have a name then and it, i feel like there's a there's less of a feel this is just me guessing here uh, no you're right of like yes. i i would imagine that i would feel a little bit less helpless if yeah if it's been studied enough to give it a name that you're that nailed it you nailed it that's exactly it um it's it's like um, it's it's like a, a another connection, you know. Mm. You know, at the concert and you had that the you know people screaming, and you just feel connected, and it's like ah, we all have we're sharing this energy in a strange way. It's like even though this is a painful thing, I'm I'm sharing this with other with other people, and um and so I would say too that if you if you're going through grief and loss, um. Just know that you're you are probably going to experience some depression, and that's totally natural. And you might even be diagnosed with depression or some form of depression while you're um, going through that, uh, because it would fit the criteria for a you know like a not necessarily what's called a persistent depressive disorder, but you know probably more of like a clinical depression or a major depression. Um, because you've experienced this horrible thing and you don't feel like getting up and showering anymore. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I think that, um, you know, just recognizing that, you know, being real that, you know, yeah, I feel this way and it's totally legitimate and I'm allowed to feel this way. You're absolutely allowed mm -hmm. to have you and you're going to go through the stages of grief. That's very real. You're, and you're going to revisit different stages at different times. You're going to be angry at that person for no damn reason. It might not, it's not their fault that, you know, I mean, even, even if someone dies by suicide, clearly something was happening that they felt that they did not have control over. So you can be angry at that person, but, but just know that you better let go of that at some point. And because it wasn't necessarily their fault, you know, but you're going to be angry. You're going to start off with a little bit of a denial and then you're going to move into acceptance and that sort of thing. And, and it's, it's pretty well documented that there is a reason why there are stages like, you know, literally printed out, you know, in, in uh, academic form stages of grief, because mm -hmm. that, that is what humans do. And that's not to, to, to say that everybody fits this prescription of you will do this, but, but it is also good to know that you will probably go through this process because you are a human being and you've experienced grief and loss. Um, I think too is talking about it, um, engaging in things like 
you can you can even talk out loud to the person you know have it is totally okay to have conversations with the person you know um with in in saying you know like even the simplest things like well i'm gonna go get groceries today it's gonna be a drag that i'm not going with you but you know or or even hey this is how my day went um it was a tough day but you know and in, in whatever capacity that is you know you have an urn or, or just talking into the air or whatever it's actually it's actually encouraged to do things like that hmm. art therapy just expressive things um that sort of get your emotions out whether it's drawing whether it's uh writing uh you know um they even have like act therapy now acting therapy and you know really? uh, yeah yeah it's really fascinating so uh just you know, it ways that, that, that you can express and, and maybe get out some of the feelings that you're carrying around is really good. Um, yeah. Writing journals. And then, you know, there, there is a, um, there is a point in time where, um, uh, you know, I mean, if you do start moving into what is called a, a more persistent, kind of chronic it's going on for like two years and you can't function in your life type of thing um then you know if you go to a therapist you're going to move into a different sort of um treatment scenario because at that point you know there there is a a point in time where it's like you may never get over the loss of that person but you will still be you'll be able to function in your life you know mm -hmm. The loss of whatever it is, you know, you lo loss of a job, you know, you can experience grief and loss in it. You know, I lost driving privileges because I'm an older person or, you know, um, if you have it, if you have a situation where, you know, the effects of that are, are moving into a territory where you're like two years or more, well, then we're going to start some therapy that is more of a persistent case and, and get you so you can function in your life because it should, it really, you know, shouldn't go on that long to where, you know, um, but there's a, a real uh, fine line between telling someone, you know, uh, how they should grieve and when they should be done grieving. And I mean, you know, is you're always going to grieve. You're always going to miss that person. And it's always, you're always going to feel that loss, but you should eventually be able to function in your life. And when you can't function in your life anymore, then it's a big problem. So. Have you heard anything about uh, um, people who have experienced COVID and then having to deal mentally with the after effects of it? Right. Um, there's not, a whole lot of data out yet uh, about people who specifically have had COVID. There's a little, there's a little bit of literature out there, but there's not a ton. Um, there's, there's some uh, like light. I, what do I want to say? Um, they're not extensive uh, pieces of literature that are, are delving in real deep, but they, you know, they'll talk a little bit about um, uh, the, um, the shame of having gotten it and like people, how people will feel shameful for having 
you know, maybe let their guard down or something and they, they got it or they didn't practice the way they, they normally were practicing and then they got COVID and they knew that they were being, you know, maybe a little um, less disciplined um, during the pandemic. And then there's also the shaming of, like maybe you had somebody who, you know, was practicing um, and they, they maybe let a family member come over and that family member had been telling them that they were practicing and being really safe and all that kind of stuff. And even though you might've kept some distance for some reason, you might've still got caught COVID, but you were actually, you know, acting out and, and being safe in the process. And, but then people are sort of shaming you for having gotten it. There's talk about that. Um, there was there is there is a big study that was done. I think it was in Brazil. Don't quote me on that. But they did a a, a worldwide um, uh, sort of uh, literature uh, review. They did a lit review of a bunch of different um, uh, studies that have been done around um, the world uh, in different countries and. Uh, overall, depression is up like five times normally than what it is. Wow. So, like not wow. just in the United States, but across the, across the world. The world. Wow. Yeah, five times the incidence has, has gone up. I guess with the after COVID, I am wondering, and I guess it's so soon that I can understand why there wouldn't be as much information. I hope that's something that people are going to study because that I know talking to family members they are. got it that they aren't able to exercise like they used to. Like there's yeah. people who, not that I know personally, but that I've read that don't didn't get their taste back, didn't get smell back, um, and just the after effects of not being able to have the same energy levels or right. not feeling a hundred percent. Then yeah. There's going to be a lot of people like that in the world. And how do we just go back to normal? Because everyone's going to just go, all right, we're normal now. Okay. We're a post-COVID world. And it's like, we're coming out, yeah. of, coming out of COVID, not just who got it and who lost someone, but just the world coming out of. Mm. Oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah. I mean, dealing, everybody's impacted. Mm-hmm. everybody is impacted and you have some people who can't wait to get back to work and get out of the house because their kids and their spouses are driving them crazy. And then you have the rest of us who are like, I know that I've functioned on this planet for 40 plus years interacting with other people, but that 15 months was fantastic. And I don't, you know, like, I work so much better you know, I, you know, or even having a hybrid with their, you know, companies and stuff. And it's, it's uh, emerging, but yeah, just entering back into society and what, what does that look like? And, and the thing is, is that we don't know what it looks like. And, you know, you, you have that combination of, I want to get back and I want to live and I don't want to live in fear, but we have these variants and so what do we do? And, you know, we're being told that there's efficacy in the vaccines. And, and I, you know, there's a, a ton of research leading up to creating these vaccines. But 
Um, we don't know how they work with the other variants that are coming down the pike. So it's just finding that balance. It's finding a balance and mm -hmm. doing what feels right to you and your gut and surrounding yourself with people that you feel comfortable with and doing things that you feel comfortable with. And the minute that it doesn't feel comfortable, that's okay. And you adjust and you find your balance. That's the only thing that I can, I can yeah, say. We, we uh, were told by this guy recently, he was hanging out with us. He's like, wait a minute. You're like the only couple that I know that stayed together during this whole quarantine. <laughs> He like, it like came to him while he was talking. I was like, wait, wait, you guys didn't break up? Oh, that's weird. Like, you broke up. Like, we were listening to a comic who was saying that she just, she broke up with her boyfriend during quarantine, or it might have been husband, after 15 years. That's what killed it. Oh my it, gosh. It's so weird because I'm like, oh God, it, with Jeff and I, I'm like, we might have gotten too codependent to where mm -hmm. it's like all right so now we eat let's hold hands while we do it right, <laughs> let's uh we're gonna watch tv now the exact same thing at the exact same time are you gonna shower well, will you come in in the shower with me and talk to me while i shower did you just text me from the other room yeah. might be a hot mess the other direction now you're afraid to merge back into society because you'll be yeah. separate from each other. <laughs> yeah. So um, I know that that was another thing was just couples and families. I know you talked about that too, but yeah. Yeah. I don't think we'll know more until people can research this after yeah. the fact. That's the bad part about research. That's what drove people crazy at the beginning of everything. Yeah. Yeah. The, that changed. The now. They don't know. They don't know anything because it changed. I'm like, that's how science works. But exactly. <laughs> like, have you ever taken a science class, dum dum? I mean, like, oh, but I'm gonna inject bleach immediately. That's and yeah. Uh, I I think we're gonna be dealing with some some trauma, you know, I think that, and, and we know that trauma affects the physical well-being of people like through the lifespan. So, I mean, there's probably going to be higher rates of, you know, diabetes and heart disease and all that kind of stuff. And um, sadly, in, in, in some situations, you've had people that have, are uh, contained with their offenders, you know, like mm -hmm. in a domestic violence situation or even kids who are in a, an abuse situation, abusive situations, you know, nine times out of 10, it's, it's someone, it's a caregiver, like they're either a parent or a, you know, a step parent or mm -hmm. someone close to the family. And so I think there's going to be a lot of that emerging. There's going to be a lot more stories about just how bad it was and just people generally being traumatized just traumatized yeah. by what's happening in our society and learning the things that, you know, these crazy, scary truths that, you know, uh, which don't, you know, some of it has to do with the pandemic and some of it doesn't, but um, just the, I'm sorry, but I, I, listen, I'm all about like questioning things and, you know, do your due diligence and research and, but have some damn discernment. 
Like what is wrong with some of the people in our population who are coming up with these crazy concepts, which is very upsetting and disturbing. So, I mean, there's so much that's come out of this. Yeah. Like, I don't know. But anyway. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you so much. And oh, um, thank you guys. Yeah, this Tam great. and I have been friends for, I was trying to calculate. I always forget. <laughs> 37 years. Oh, wow. Oh, that's, that's just longer than most. So we were born, we were born next to each other. Yeah. We met <laughs> we in the how hospital. How old we were when we met. <laughs> yeah. We won't say how old we were when we met. We'll just say that we've known each other for 37 years. That's still yeah. So I, I didn't make anything any better. So, <laughs> it's awesome. but yeah, like um, I'm super happy that you went down this path, and yeah, I feel like you, you didn't even. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you knew because you knew what you were getting yourself into. I didn't know how uh, much you're needed. Well, you didn't know it was going to be pandemic style needing. So I guess there's that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whoa. You were needed and then Yeah. But you didn't yeah. need the police. <laughs> like how badly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look at me winning. You're very necessary. <laughs> of, of other people's tragedy. <laughs> You're so necessary. Oh man. But thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. And, Thank um, you. I appreciate you asking me to talk with you today. Thank you for listening to We're Freaking Out. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode, found it interesting, got something from it. I did. You can find us on all podcast platforms, like and subscribe, rate, all those things. Follow us on social media, on Instagram. We are We're Freaking Out, all one word, no apostrophe. And on Facebook, we are We're Freaking Out Podcast. And myself, I am at Jeff Horst, J-E-F-F-H-O-R-S-T-E on all social media. And I'm at Esther Toy, E-S-T-H-E-R-T-O-I on all social media. You can go to jeffhorst.com and check out some of my upcoming stand-up comedy dates, as well as my new merch. I have a show that I uh, produce called Roast This Post, uh, touching on a lot of current events and social issues. And uh, if you want to support that in any way, uh, we have some hoodies, some hats, some t-shirts for men and women. So uh, it ships everywhere. Check it out. Thanks for listening. Love you. Bye. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.